Jordan Baker and Kevin Kilner. I'm proud to call them friends. They're neighbors. Uh, we both we all live here in Spark Hill. Um, so you know, I want to talk first of all about uh, COVID nineteen and the coronavirus, and how that, of course, has affected uh, your lives. We know that we're all in self isolation right now. Uh, but what did your uh, calendars both look like prior to this happening? Good question. Well, I think um, we had all, if I want to go back to 2019 because um, I had just finished doing a show in Rochester just before Thanksgiving. And I think most of my work at that point, I was done for the season. So um, I would typically be coming back into work. Um, January would be quiet and I'd be starting again in February. Um, my nephew uh, teaches in Hong Kong. Wow. And um, he called me. I was very sick at Christmas. Uh, we were down in Maryland and I was sick. And, um, and he had contacted me and uh, he said that they had already started their quarantine. That was about mid to late December. Mm -hmm. And he was teaching virtually online. He teaches at a university over there. He was teaching virtually at that point. His wife had stopped teaching and come home to self-school their kids and they were wearing masks. And he said to me, you know, there's this thing coming and you should go get a mask. And I, I said, what? He goes, you're already sick. He said, you should go get a mask. And um, so I wasn't really listening. And I saw, I heard some tinklings of things in January. We were still, I guess auditioning. I, I auditioned with Mark Blum, for God's sake. He was one of our greatest wow. losses sure. early on. I auditioned in I January for something, for a television show with him. Yeah. And, um, you know, in January, I sort of saw something online. And so I went and I bought a mask. And I remember turning to Kevin in bed and saying, hey, you want a mask? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I know. I, I mean, I sounded crazy. Well, in my own, <laughs> wait a minute. In my own defense, we had also found we had found that we had owned, we owned half a dozen M95 masks from the when our. No, that's later. That comes later. We didn't yeah. even know we had those masks. No, I thought so, we did. So, anyway, so get this. So, okay, you're right. Kevin, Kevin says no. <laughs> We're so gonna have to go back to that. I bought one mask. I bought it from Japan. It's a beautiful little cloth mask. It has actually a slit down here so you can put a straw through it and you can drink and it's washable and all that. So um, it arrived in February and that's when I read that article. Um, I gotta tell you something. If you guys are not reading the journal news or have some connection to Lohud um, in this community, you're crazy because- I agree. I was on the radio, that's where I got all my news to deliver, yeah. right? And um, and there's no other place for us to get it. We don't have a Rockland County radio station other than WRCR. And if you're not going to listen there, right, to find out what's happening locally. So I just happened to see Ed Day, our county supervisor, said that we should prepare our homes as if a big storm is coming. And Kevin was in Los Angeles in February um, for pilot season. And I called him up and I said, I just saw this thing. Do you think I should go get a few things for the basement? And um, and he said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Costco. Wow, I'm being, no, 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 you're good. Like I, I had Sorry. no idea. I oh. said, yes, we should yeah. So, go yeah, ahead, go get, ahead. stock the well, basement. he's not really thinking about it at that, at that time. You're not really thinking about it. Nobody knew what it was. Well, who did? Who was? I who mean, knew? Who I'm just listening to some things and I'm taking the actions. I'm All told the to intelligence take. agencies yeah. knew. No. Well, because get this. When I got to the Costco, <laughs> the world was my oyster because <laughs> there was nobody there on a Tuesday morning in February. And I stood there and thought, 
I wonder what I should buy. Like, mm-hmm. what would you need if, I don't know, what, we, what am I looking at here? Like, I had not a clue. And then I remembered I have these Mormon relatives. And I remember working at the Sundance uh, Theater Institute and going down to Provo into the grocery stores. And they have special wings where people buy survival kits. And this is like 365 days of meals, water, all kinds of things um, in case there is some sort of catastrophe, they prepare. And some people think, you know, they're all preparing for the Armageddon, but in truth, what's really beautiful about that philosophy, when I, I wrote to a couple of my cousins about it, they said, no, 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 we prepare so that we can help you when the time comes. Wow, wow, wow. So I thought, oh, so now I'm standing in Costco, I just texted with So I thought, okay, so I should probably get some soup for me and my neighbors, I probably should get some dog food for the night, cat food or whatever. So I filled up my cart with all this stuff and I, oh yeah, yeah, well, it's the flu. I guess I should get some bare aspirin, maybe I should get some hydroperoxide and some alcohol, probably should get some um, Gatorade, you know? Mm, so fish, I stocked up our whole mayonnaise. basement. <laughs> the whole basement up. And then neighbors were kind of laughing. What are you doing with all that stuff? So I'm getting ready for the storm. <laughs> There's some well, did they know what you meant when you said the storm? The storm's coming. Ed Day says to prepare for a storm. So I prepared. He said he said six to they said uh, four to six weeks of supplies should be in your house at all times mm-hmm. um, in case there was a problem. Um, and so I did that. Gosh, I wish I, th- I wish I knew about the toilet paper thing. You know, <laughs> I have enough. You know, we were already pretty well stocked. Um, so let me ask you, Kevin. You yeah. were in LA for pilot season. Um, mm-hmm. Did was there anything happening in LA that made you um, more alert to what was coming our way? Uh, no. Uh, in a nutshell, the, the short answer is no. I think there was. Um, there was some discussion about what, because Jordan's nephew teaches at a university in Hong Kong and she was conveying what he was saying. And then I did do some reading online and I, um, our friends, our dear friends, Kevin and Neil, who, who are, uh, who are married and, and I was staying at their house. We, I talked with them about it and, and they said, yeah, there's no doubt that it's going to hit here. We just don't know how, how heavily it, it, it will hit. Um, so I was gone from like the last week of January until almost the last day of February. Like I, I think I flew yeah. back on the 27th or 28th. And um, so for those five weeks, it, it, I do remember it coming up in conversation more and more, but there was, and it was, and we did not doubt that it would actually penetrate the United States, but we just had no idea what level it would, it would, it would be, you know? Was anything happening in the television or film industry that was really leaning towards what was coming our way? No. Or did no. all of a sudden? It was, it no, was, everybody no, was, it was business for as new usual. Shows. It's not only business as usual, but February is such a hurly-burly, uh, hurly-burly time that, um, you know, it, it, there's just not enough hours in the day to do the casting that you want to do, to, to do the auditions you want to do, to do the filming you want to do. And, and then you have series, you know, you have network shows and shows that are shooting that are just trying to complete their seasons. So even if they had a hint of it, it was, you know, 
12 hours is your minimum day. And, you know, usually on, a, on any show, Fridays are your pickup days. The days that the pages that you've lost or the scenes that you've lost Monday through Thursday, you're doing, you're completing those. So Fridays can be an 18 hour day. You can shoot till two, three in the morning on a, on a one hour show, you know, uh, on a half hour show, you know, it, it's, it's normal to just, you know, you, you have your audience day and then um, that's it. So. Now, going back to the original question, were there shows uh, that either of you had on your schedule for later in this year that just disappeared? No. Well, <laughs> I don't know yet because we don't know what's happening with that show. But yeah. there was a show, uh, one show that I had done that there was a possibility of it coming to the city, but there was also a possibility we'd all get recast. So um, I'm that was for theater. And I think that that show, I don't know when we'll see the light of day again, because uh, in the theater community, we have much bigger issues uh, than the television and film community. There is talk that television and film will come back sooner uh, mm -hmm. uh, than the theater uh, community. I mean, theater is dealing with an audience in the way that uh, television and film does not have to work, worry about the audience. They can do a close set, they can do all kinds of isolation. And a lot of people coming together to work together. Um, what sort of provisions are you both hearing about as far as the television world is concerned, about how they're planning on moving forward. Well, I just I just read an article this morning, and, I, and Jordan and I have a friend who uh, is a location scout, and he's a member of IATSE. Um, and what do you want me to do? I want you to look up here where they that you're talking to everybody oh, okay, because you're sorry. talking to the wall. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, they're over here. Keep <laughs> uh, this is going to go on. It's secretly. No, they're, they're right there. Um, <laughs> so our, this is what our, what I read this morning and some of the, I used to be in the, the SAG national boardroom. And so I still know people who are there is that they're furiously negotiating with the AMPTP about they need to figure out what the protocols are. I just read this morning, the Directors Guild has assigned Steven Soderbergh, the director of Contagion, because Soderbergh did so much research on Contagion and it was done uh, in a very, very realistic manner. He actually knows a lot of the scientists and epidemiologists that, 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 he, ref that he used for um, verisimilitude on contagion so he is the chair of the committee for the dga for setting the protocols for going back to work the main thing that they want to do and the main thing they're talking about now are what are called micro crews that you know to get on the set you will do they're going to compress the crews and only certain departments will be allowed on the set at a time anyone who gets on the set will have to pass a temperature and they need, we all desperately need this um, 15 minute blood test where they prick your finger and you see whether you're positive or not, because you can be negative one day, you can be positive the next. So mm -hmm. you'll have, you need the, that the blood test. And then if you are positive, you will be asked to leave and then we'll need the contact tracing, you know? So if you came in contact with anybody in the crew and the actors, um, they would then have to be quarantined. But then the other thought is some of this is all preliminary from, members of friends of mine who are in the DGA, you would take the cast, once the cast is cast, especially for films, you would isolate the cast in a hotel. And basically they would have to either be quarantined in their room and only shuttle to set when they are in need of, when they need to shoot, need to shoot, go to makeup and wardrobe. And then once your day is wrapped, you know, a, a clean van, so to speak, a clean car would take you back to the clean hotel. This is all theoretical, but this is where everybody's talking about that, that this is how it would be done. So, you know, our industry, like every other industry is 
figuring it out. Jordan and I were talking today about certain retail stores. Jordan mentioned really interestingly, she said, you know, well, if it's a clothing store and I try on the dress and, you know, maybe I'm showing no signs, but I'm actually positive. Like wh what happens to that dress? And I, as I said to her, I read an article where they said that people will hold up the, the, the apparel for you. You won't be allowed to touch it unless you want to try it on. If you try it on, you either buy it or if you don't buy it, then the fabric, the garment would go on a 48 hour cold rack where no one else could try it on for 48 hours and would be unavailable. The, like the product would be unavailable until you give it the 48, whatever, 72 hours for the bacteria to die. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to do this and film and television is, is going to figure it out. And I know like right now, the other thing that's happening the DGA has their new three-year contract with the AMPTP that formula will be used and SAG after is opening negotiations next. And the last will be the WGA. The WGA is the weakest SAG after is the largest, but the most powerful guild is the DGA. They got a really good deal. And of course, everyone is highly motivated to get everybody back to work. So we're looking at the fall. I think, I think, you know, my money's on September, October that you see they, they figured out the protocols and that production will actually be happening on a weekly basis in the, in the fall. And how do you both, uh, of course, this is all speculation, but where do you think we stand as far as moving forward in the theater world? Well, yeah, I, 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 uh, jokingly said to a friend, I think the only way we're going to get back in the theater is private boxes. But mm -hmm. then I saw, um, is it Sweden or Norway or one of them, put their children back to school. Um, and all they have is, um, it's just a plastic wall this way, I think it is, where the children sit, you know, in their, they have sort of a separation, maybe seat to seat, but there's a separation wall, a clear wall, it's a clear wall. Um, and so um, they're not having any cases. So um, they are masked. I don't see us going to the theater without a mask for a long time until they get something more on this. But I'll be honest with you, I, I, I don't see it. They definitely said not through 2021 are you going to see New York theater come back, not Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, it's sad, it's sad in so many endless ways to me. There's either so much beautiful talent that is losing a year. We're like athletes, you know, it's like, I know, I know. <laughs> we only have so many good ones under us and we're losing those. And then there's all this beautiful young talent dancers that have been preparing in yeah. universities and, and dance schools to come now. This is their moment. And it is like the Olympics, like they're losing that year of, mm -hmm. and possibly more, who knows, you know? So it's heartbreaking. Um, perhaps you're going to start to see more like what the, if the Met comes back where they're doing filming things. But again, that's, you know, well, that's, I, I can see all this live stuff, but this and all these readings going on. Well, that, but it's not my live experience. Out, and if you do, I can edit this out later. But you both mentioned that you're building a studio in your home. So a dead space sound studio for uh, voiceover work. Yeah. So what are you both doing, you know, for your own sanity uh, to keep creative during this whole time that we're going through? Well, I, I, we're both reading a lot and and so happily reading a lot because we just never had the time to read. And I have a particular fondness for poetry. I'm also reading two books on literally that are more like tutorial books on on writing poetry and and I'm 
I'm journaling, uh, Jordan's journaling even more than I am, um, which is something that frankly, I haven't done consistently in the past. I have done it, but not consistently. Now it's becoming consistent. Um, Jordan, you're writing yeah, a I play that busy. you think might be a novel um, now. And... Why write a play if no one can perform it? like a real aha moment. <laughs> Um, no, I, I was, I was, I've joked for years. I've been writing plays for years and I've gone to some extraordinary, you know, been invited to some lovely conferences like the Swanee Playwrights Conference and the Kenyan um, mm -hmm. with my plays. No one ever reads my plays. No one ever performs my plays because I keep them in a little trunk at the end of my bed. And um, I said, when I, when I die, so like Emily Dickinson, they'll find my plays and they'll go, oh my God, she was such a great playwright. Um, right now what I'm doing um there was a theater company you might remember, uh, Richard, quite a while back called um, Circle Rep. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. And a, a large number of the original members um, have gathered together and I went to one of their final live meetings, Kevin and I both went, mm -hmm. um, in New York City. It's called uh, New Circle Theater Company, NCTC. And um, they are virtual. Everything's virtual. We've had these meetings, but they have a wonderful writers group. So um, I joined their writers group. They welcomed me in, which is great. And I do that once a week. And then I go to the company meeting um, on once once a week. And then um, I'm part of. Uh, when I was at Kenyon, um, I met up with a group, and um, they just happened to come see me in the play in Rochester. And um, I found out about them. So I had just started working with that group uh, once a month, um, and then. Um, through a woman's group that I'm, you know, we do a lot of service for um, uh, battered women um, on one particular group. And uh, someone said that she was going to start a poetry thing. So I just started that. It's one of those extraordinary things. I, I'll, I'll just share with your viewers. If you have not read uh, the book by Stanley Kunitz called The Wild Braid, Mm -hmm. that he wrote in the last year of his life, in his 90s. Um, it's a book of autobi autobiography, uh, poetry, and gardening. And the photos. And, and then those photograph oh. photos that are not done by him, but these photographs. Gorgeous. It's a small little book, but just life-changing. And so after that, I just couldn't stop reading poetry. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that. Um, I went through our yard. You know, Kevin and I... Uh, we're always on the road. <laughs> so, um, our wild weed all its own. There are things going on here. The animals really run this place. Mm -hmm. And, um, but suddenly there was this silence, you know, my agency's not calling. I'm not going to auditions. I don't have to travel. I, nobody needs us. So in that silence, well, we need you, but <laughs> no, you know, yeah. we all, we all heard the silence that the, once you came home, there's like this silence, right? I'm not going oh, to dinner with my friends. I'm not meeting anybody at the bar for a drink. I'm not driving into the city, you know. There's no distraction. And um, there's this wonderful app. I think it's called um, Picture This. Mm -hmm. um, and another one called iNaturalist. I have them on my phone. And I started walking through our yard, photographing everything that I Plants. saw. And it would Bushes. tell me the name of it and whether it was edible, uh, whether it was an herb or a tree, or so you'll get a laugh on this one. I've got here in, a, in the kitchen here, I've got a pot. It's growing aloe vera, wow. and, I, and I spritz it every morning. Well, I noticed last week there was this something coming up, and it looked at first like a weed, and I thought, okay, I'm going to find out about you soon. So I just kept, I kept watering, and it kept growing. It got pretty big, pretty sizable. <laughs> so I finally turned out the app, and I went like that, and... It's a Mongolian oak tree. 
a Mongolian oak tree or something. And how big will it get? I, a pot in my kitchen. Sorry, couldn't hear you. Go ahead. Richard. I said it, I, it grows according to its space, but how big do they normally get? God knows, man. I took it out to the front yard. We'll all find out because I'm trying to hide a telephone pole out there. <laughs> so I replanted it and it's gotten plenty of rain. We'll see what happens with that. Now, is this the longest period of time that the two of you have been together in like close isolation like this? No. How long have you been married? Well, uh, how long have we been married? <laughs> I actually just have to ask him. I, I don't know. He's there at now. On October 10th. <laughs> All right. uh, 1998. Year, it, it will be 22 years. 22 years. And we've been together 27. How did you meet? How did There's you? Nothing left to talk about. I'm sorry. How did the two of you meet? Uh, <laughs> we, we met Richard. How do how do how do how do couples how do acting couples meet? We met in the theater. Okay. And we we met because I was a co-founder with. 10 other people. There was 11 of us total, very small little theater company called Incline, the theater group in Los Angeles. And we were, um, we were doing theater. Half the company had been at Rutgers. And so Jordan knew the Rutgers people because either they were graduate students, there were a couple more graduate students with her, or maybe one, most of them were actually undergraduates and she had actually taught, uh, you taught movement, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she had, she had taught many of them. Jordan had come out to Los Angeles after her brother's um, death from AIDS and taking care of him for well over a year. And she needed to make some money because she was, she had spent her life savings and gone deeply into debt, trying to keep him alive and because uh, he had no insurance. Um, and she was house sitting and uh, contacted someone who said, "Oh, you should you should hang out with the Incline because that you know those people they're from Rutgers and and that's sort of the the short version of how we met. Um, eventually, I we were playing touch football for fun on Sundays. Um, these were the social things they were doing, and then I threw a Super Bowl party that was more about like everybody brought up a, a, a dish of food. Jordan brought a I'll never forget. She brought a vegetarian um, lasagna, and um, uh, and I'm kind of a huggy guy. I'm, I guess I have the Joe Biden issues about <laughs> hugging everybody, men and women. I like I like to hug people too. And I gave her a, a big hug at the end of that party, and she later told me she said, "Boy, that was such a kind of real hug, like an authentic." And I hadn't had one in so long because she had been caring for her brother Brad for so long and sort of in her own isolation for so long that she, she just immediately thought, I'd like to have another one of those hugs. <laughs> okay, so now let me tell you the real thing. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you got a cigar, you can smoke for a while. It was Raph the Medusa. They were performing Raph for the Medusa, the Joe Pintaro play. One and of the it, first AIDS plays. One of the first AIDS plays. When I got invited to that play, it was like the last thing I wanted to do. I said, made my donation. I'm not coming. Mm -hmm. And um, and then someone said, no, 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 you really should come. We're a fun group. And so I went. And afterwards, it was the last show. So afterwards, they were all having sort of a little rap party. And then this guy jumps up on the bleachers and he says, okay, tomorrow we got to break down this side. You got to bring your truck if you're late. Da, 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 he's going on. And I turned to my friend and I said, can I, can I cuss on here? Yes. Oh, good. So I turned to my friend and said, who is that asshole? <laughs> <laughs> this is after this is oh, after the party went on oh, for two hours. Oh Excuse me, it's like one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it gets better. So that football game he's talking about. 
So afterwards, we were told we we're going to go to a margarita party. It was on Sunday, I remember. And I said, I didn't know how to get to whoever house it was. And so Kevin drove this little blue Toyota Corolla at the time. And they said, oh, follow the blue Corolla. And so I looked and I went, oh, God. Camry. It's the, oh, yeah, it's right there. So I, I, I said, oh, God, it's that asshole. <laughs> he pulls into a 7-Eleven. So I pull up next to him. I'm like, hi, listen, I'm following you to the party. And he goes, oh, yeah, okay. Well, I don't drink, so I got to go into something. Oh, my God. He's an, he's an alcoholic. So <laughs> this is where my head's going with this guy. And they were standing in the 7-Eleven when it got robbed. And Are you so, kidding me? No, someone stole the some ca beer. The cashier jumped over the counter and counter. chased this guy and, out. And he, and he jumps over. Something. So we're standing there alone in the 7-Eleven, and I looked at Kevin. I said, so are you in AA or <laughs> my opening line? Goes, I started laughing. He thought I was nuts. So he said, he said uh, no. He said, I have an audition tomorrow, and I don't drink before I go on camera because it pops <laughs> Anyway, how we got together, but that's sort of the beginning of how we met. <laughs> you know, not knowing a lot about your history prior to that, where either of you have you been involved uh, with uh, other actors before? Because it takes a certain so mind. many celebrities, Richard. <laughs> I'm going to write the book. <laughs> I'll dictate it to Jordan, and she can put it into a play. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God! Yes, I, I, I was. Oh please, I was, he, I was he just, dated every woman stop. from New York to Los Angeles. I, I, hey, wait a minute. I, okay. I kid you not. First there isn't a woman I've met. There, oh, are you dating Kevin Kilmer? I dated Kevin Kilmer. <laughs> there's a difference between dating an actor and living with an actor. True. Yeah, no, and no, no, but no. I, but I also there were three women I was in a monogamous two-year relationships with who were I you know semi lived together with them um in a row and so I I you know yes I would you know I was Mr. you know I was accused by the women in our theater company of being Mr. Serial Dater and I would always point out <laughs> to them yeah I guess I'm serial if like every two years it's a different woman but I don't really call that it's not like I'm dating a different woman each week or every month even you know mm -hmm. So you did, you did. <laughs> whatever, you know, it, um, Marla it, Thomas has a new book out. I'm trying to get an interview with her, by the way. Uh, Marla Thomas has uh, a new book out and it's all these uh, famous couples who have been in long-term marriages. Uh, you've been together for 22 years. Did you say 27, 27 and married oh. for 22. Oh, yeah. I, I can't even imagine, you know, uh, I, I've said that during this, pandemic that a lot of people will either divorce or there'll be a lot of babies. You know, it's very funny. Last or week- Or get stronger, you know. Or get stronger. Um, last week it, on page six of the post, I said they've reached rock bottom. There was a couple, a gay couple, who after 51 days said they could not take this anymore. <laughs> and the great thing is that first of all, you know, Danny and I have been together going on 30 years. We like, we like each other, uh, you know, but I'm not involved with another actor. I can't even imagine what the dynamics of that are. So what's your secret, if there is one? Well, I, I, I'm going to – we do have a three-week rule, which is, you know, wherever she's on stage or I'm on stage in the country, one of us will – 
fly to the other. We we try, although we've broken this rule, there's no absolute rules. Um, we try, one of us will take care of the house while the other's on the road in some regional theater, right? So that we, we and we try to trade off on that. Like once, if she goes out and on the road and does a play, then, then it's sort of my turn and vice versa. Um, but we also, that also goes out the window because if it's a great role and a great, you know, uh, theater and, and and cast, it's like last year, Jordan was on the road last year's over six months. Oh, I know. But, but all three productions she was involved in were phenomenal and she was phenomenal. And the other thing is, is that in terms of egos, um, when I first, before we even ever had our first date, I recognized how incredibly, like I, you, you know, if you're a trained actor, you, it's sort of like, it's, I remember when I was an athlete, you know, you could tell very quickly who the really, truly great athletes were. Well, you can tell really quickly who a really great actor is. And I knew Jordan was a really great actor, like an actor's actor. And she, I'm, I'm making him dinner tonight. <laughs> Yeah, but she's always, she, even in the New York theater community, she's always had the reputation amongst actors. There, I, I know half a dozen actors who, no matter what Jordan's doing, even if it's like a hundred miles away, they will make the drive to go watch Jordan's work. They make efforts to go watch Jordan's work. So it's easy being her biggest fan because her work is so meticulous, specific, um, multifaceted emotionally and psychologically that I learned from watching her and I'm, I'm amazed that I'm married to her. So I, I've never, nobody's happier when her work is noted and, and when she gets nominated or if, if you know, if she's lauded in a beautiful review, we don't re read reviews during the, we rely on each other to read the reviews, but we don't read our reviews until after the production closes. But I'll like I'll call her and say, you have nothing to worry about. You you crushed it. You know, you're I like this one. I call and I go, I go, okay, I don't need to hear the specific just am I safe? Right. We're gonna say she's safe. Right. Am I safe? So yeah, you're safe, you're safe. But I also I also think that if you're with someone who in the base of their being and soul is generous and kind. And there's no one, I've never met a, a, a woman in my life more generous or kind than my wife. Um, then, you know, like, who would I be to be? And, I mean, the idea of being jealous of her, I want her to win the Tony. I want her to, <laughs> to be lauded. I want her to become a superstar. I want people to say, you know, if you get Jordan Baker, you've got a, you got a star on your cast. Because I believe that, I know that in my heart. and. Um, and I'm proud of her. I'm proud of, I know how hard so, she works. I know how specific she works. It, that's a rare, rare thing. We've done five things together, three on television, and we've done two plays together. We got the opportunity to do the West Coast premiere of John Patrick Shanley's uh, Defiance. Wow. And to work with Jordan, all it does, it's like, again, I hate to be boring, but I, this is all, I, I, you know, my parents stuck me in. boring to me. I love this. Well, when, when I was a little kid, my parents didn't have a lot of money, but they had enough money to, like, stick me in sports. So I grew up playing sports. But, you know, when you play with a really, really great player, that a really great player makes you better. Thank because you. They, they elevate you. And so, and when you're on stage with a really great actor, and we both have experienced this, you know, you not only think you're better, you actually are better. You feel 
better. So when I'm on stage with my wife or in front of a camera with my wife, I'm excited because she brings her A game and you better, you better be listening and watching her because she will surprise you, you know, and, and that's what I, that's what you want out of your partner on stage or in front of a camera. All right. I've talked too much. <laughs> no, I th- and thank you for saying this because for me, um, I, I always love as an actor, as an entertainer, being part of a great ensemble. Being Amen. Amen, yeah, Richard. Me, group. us too. It, it's not about being in the spotlight. It's about sharing that space. That's right. Uh, with the greatest. Uh, and and I say this, I'm not going to get political, but if people would just surround themselves with the absolute best, uh, we can go nowhere but up. And it's, Amen. I you know, also just say one last thing on the, about the marriage thing. Because um, I will say this about cast. I just, I had an extraordinary cast in that play at Milwaukee Rep, The Things I Know to Be True. Yep. We're, we're, we still do virtual Zoom calls with each other. We're yep. so in love with each other. The Price family. I saw um, them four times. They were amazing. I will say this about marriage. Um, and you were doing it in the middle of their winter, weren't you? Mm-hmm. I, I drove in to Milwaukee on the first day of the polar vortex <laughs> in a Prius. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a Prius, and I thought, well, my, my wheels are turned. Oh yeah, it was a hard job. And then, but then we ended up in Tucson and Phoenix, so we spent out the valley for our bikinis. Um, wow. I will say this about marriage: um, that you know, Kevin and I were not really marriage material. So I, we didn't marry until we were forty, yeah. and we weren't really thinking about marriage and kids. And I was raised by a mother who really screwed it into my head: no marriage, no babies; no marriage, no babies. Go have a life. Mm-hmm. Be an artist. So, um, I will say this: that when I finally, um, when he asked, I, I, I was sort of taken aback because um, we hadn't really talked too much about that. How long had <laughs> you dated before he did ask? Five years. Okay. Five years. It was our. It was his fortieth birthday. We're on our way to Tuscany. My parents were living in Tuscany, and we were on our way there to take a trip for the first time. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, we stopped up in Maryland for his fortieth birthday, and he mm-hmm. had proposed that night. And um, I will say this. It was a really, um, yeah, it's, it's something we, you do with another person when you get married, but also it's a very personal uh, act. And um, I always tell Kevin, you don't have to worry about me uh, because, you know, I made a vow with you, but the vow was actually to myself. Hmm. Hmm. It's a very, very deep vow that I took for myself that I decided that I was, you know, to take this journey alone. And then I decided... I think I'd like to do the next 40 with somebody. And so I made this choice. I, I picked this person. You know, he makes me laugh. He's an unbelievably good man. Mm-hmm. And um, we have this time alone together. <laughs> it's been okay. great. We make each other laugh. And we, in, we, we're curious about things that we share with each other. Uh, we love animals. We play in our backyard with all the animals. I don't know. There's just something I like to travel with him. I I can spend hours. Do you find that you're having more conversations now than yeah, you know? deep conversations, yes. deep conversations about quality of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you remove, um, it's so interesting. Is this thing about stress? You know, I mean. We're kind of joking. I, I, I've lost 18 pounds during COVID-19. <laughs> Some people are gaining the COVID-19. Um, but the stress, uh, being removed from that stress um, that came from work and from my mother dying and all kinds of things, I gained a lot of weight. And it was just all this um, negative energy on me. And um, and this time has been such a beautiful gift in some odd way. I mean, I, I'm grateful for my health. 
you know, that I didn't, I did, I haven't had COVID and thank God we haven't had COVID, um, but that we had this time. Well, Richard, that goes back to your point about the, the couple on um, page six of the post in that, I, I mean, we know people who are being driven crazy and, <laughs> and, and they express it to us. And then there are couples like us um, and, and friends of ours that we know who are saying, I've never had ever had time to do this and this, and I'm so grateful for the time. And a lot of it is one of the things that I want to do as I get older is I, I just hope to grow my curiosity and, and, and pursue my curiosities. And sorry. Okay. This is, this time has sort of helped me grow and encouraged me to pursue all these you know, idiosyncratic curiosities that are just idiosyncratic to me, you know, and it, to her. Also, I just want to say this. You know what it is? I was saying this the other night that, you know, I've been able to sit down and read a book for one hour without being distracted, like actually sitting there and reading the book yeah. because yeah. that little thing in my head that says I should be there, I should be doing this, I should be doing that, right? There, there isn't that. There's no, I should be somewhere. There's no place else to be. But right here, and truthfully, when when all the chaos is going on, we don't. I don't take that. I had books and magazines stacked up in our bedroom on a table there, yeah. and um, I've been slowly. It's almost empty. I'm like going through, reading that book, having that experience, and there's nothing that says I should be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I remember I saw an interview on that show, um, Finding Your Roots, and they um, they were talking to um, oh Gloria Steinem. And, um, and they asked her about writing. How did you become a journalist? And she said, you know, it just seemed that whenever I was doing it, there never seemed anything else that I should be doing. Mm. And so when I'm acting, I never feel there's anything else I should be doing. But when I'm not acting, you know, we spend more of our time looking for work than actually doing the work. Um, I always feel that I can't enjoy anything else because I should be looking for that work. I should be going out and meeting someone. I should be going out and like this. So this, this time right now, because everything is shut down, I just have a pure moment of peace, quiet and time to really be with something. And we can give ourselves vacations, but you know, we don't take them because there's all this other stuff going on. The distractions, right? Of the old uh, question, how do you eat an elephant yeah. at a time? Right. And with all of this going on right now, uh, do uh, you have a routine in the mm -hmm. midst of all this? And what is that routine that gets you through each day? We we air out our bed now. How long has it been since you aired out of bed? You know, we you get up in the morning, you make your bed, and you go. And my grandmother used to say, you know, you don't make the bed right away. You gotta roll the sheets back and leave them for a couple of hours and let the mattress air out. And so I said to him, let's air out our mattress. And we started there. <laughs> Every morning we get up, we, we roll the blankets back. And I think after we've had breakfast and you've gone out for a little bit and I meditate and journal and read in the morning. And then by the time I walk back upstairs, I make the bed because <laughs> it's been air. It's like my little, that's a little routine that I do, I guess. Yeah, you do. I, you know, uh, it's kind of great. We, I get up and either she or I, but lately it's been me. I, I get up a little bit earlier and, and uh, turn the coffee machine on 
start feeding the animals, start doing our animal routine. We have three <laughs> cats that have been visiting our yard. So a friend of ours who captures and kindly, uh, kindly, you know, safely captures and has feral spayed and um, returns them to their environment. Um, he left us a, a, a place, you know, a, a little hutch that we can put food in water where they can get comfortable with you close. So we feed not only our cats, but the outdoor cats. And I sort of check in on our fish in our little pond. We have a little tiny little pond that, with a, some water flowing over a rock and take an accounting of the yard. And then I go exercise and then I eat breakfast and then I read and write and until about noon. And then errands and actions that require anything physical, I do after lunch until you know dinner time. And then at night, we're usually we like I, I think we talked to you before we finished the crown we finished um, unorthodox um, we're starting we're gonna succession. do succession all three seasons and we want to watch run and uh, um, oh oh uh, bad education oh bad education yeah 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 that was a good one that was a good one that was really <laughs> good that movie's great. Bad education. Good. Bad education. Very good. Very good. What's her name? Allison Janney yeah. and Hugh Jackman. Oh, Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney. Uh, what's his name? Delicious. Everybody loves Raymond. Um, Ray, Ray Romano. Ray Romano's Who would recognize him? Yeah, they're terrific. Oh my God. And it's Great true story. It's based on a, it's very closely hewn to a true story it's, in Long Island. Bad education. The education system. Bad education. You can yeah. get it on HBO Go anytime you want right yeah. now because it's already aired. So. You know, we we watched Almost Famous the other, you know, just last night, yeah, and we really enjoyed that again. Thing, things come on just sort of in front of us, and we just sort of stay there. <laughs> and, and typically, and typically that that's um, typically, you know, I sit on one part of the couch, and either she sits right next to me, and we cuddle and drink tea, or she sits in her chair. And our feet are touching it at a ninety degree angle while we're watching it together. You so that's our that's sort of our <laughs> quiet meditation. You know, enjoy a movie type of time. You know, and then we you know we do the Groundhog Day thing like everybody else is doing. You know, we get up and repeat this thing. You know, we have a little bit of a routine, yeah. And then there's um, I try to go uh, to the mark. You know, I do three different markets, and you know, uh, right now it's a lot of standing in line no, um, no. outside in the cold. So, um, uh, but I have three markets that I go to typically to get what we need for our house. Um, but I try not to leave, really leave the house maybe once a week. Although recently uh, uh, I, I have a bike. Kevin gave me when I turned 50 mm -hmm. and um, here I am 61 and 11 years later, I got on that bike. <laughs> Just how long? You've been so, on the bike. Well, before. maybe once in a blue moon. I, but I'm probably I'm on the bike. I mean, we really love the bike. It's at a good it's at a good level for me. <laughs> it's too low for me. But you know, we have some extraordinary bike paths here, and um, I've just never used them. So we've been going out. Yesterday we took a whole. Well, also loop, just on the street, um, we we went down to Pyramid. Pyramid. Just on the road. Pyramid. Yeah. I didn't even know they opened up an ice cream parlor there. We are so lucky where we live. I think about uh, my friends that are in the city in apartments uh, right. alone. With no a lot of our friends left early on. Some went up to the Berkshires. Uh, some went uh, to Connecticut. I have friends who went 
down south, uh, North Carolina, if they had family. They, yeah, I was going to say, they went a to parents' my, homes, aunt and uncles' yeah. homes, cousins' homes, second my, my homes. My students, um, all of my students who are at uh, either Montclair State or um, CCNY, um, they all went back to family if they could. Um, in some cases, they were fortunate that they might be the um, <laughs> resident, the RA, I think they're called. Um, they were able to stay on campus because that was a big issue for students. Uh, where are they going to go if they close the school down? Part of um, Jordan's routine is she's been doing her Zoom teaching at uh, students at CCNY yeah. and Montclair State, where she's been an adjunct professor. So and uh, so yeah, and uh, I guess it's sort of there's just always a little something. But I have to tell you, I love waking up in the morning and there's nothing in my appointment book. I know. <laughs> That's it, it's an un I get a little pissed off when someone gets in. You're the first one. I, I was like, we have Richard Skipper at five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Something's yeah. on the calendar. No, that's that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, that is a good thing. No, you know, because for me personally, I, you know, for. A long time, I've always said this, and you know, maybe it's put, putting me on some spiritual plane or whatever, that I have a heightened sense of how important each and every day is. And right now, I'm not thinking about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about next week. I'm not thinking about next month. I'm not thinking about next year. I'm just taking each day as I can. One of the hardest things that I've had to deal with is getting away from the news uh, because I'm a news junkie and I am forcing myself instead of sitting down to watch the news, yep. look for a movie or a TV yep. show. Yeah. Um, and I only do it in the morning. I do it for about 30 minutes in the morning. I run through all my social media and then I turn it off. Mm -hmm. I do read the, um, what is it? Uh, Cuomo's report, typically from the night before. Right. Um, I do look at the CDC and the WHO, those three things, and then I go through my social media feeds. I might post a couple of things, and then I'm gone for the day. But Richard, I want to I want to roll back to what you just said because I I'm so appreciative that you that you said that. And it, it it it's imp it's so important. And um, what I wanted to say before that you articulated, and I and I would add to is the fact that. You know, this is this pandemic is forcing us in a very blunt instrument kind of way to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. And we we don't we can't even wrap our heads around how important that is. That the truly is silver lining. You know, to hear you say, you know, that you, each day is just a gift. I mean, you know, we all say that. But we don't really examine that, and this this virus is making us examine that. So that, and I don't, and I don't want to over dramatize anything. But you know, after we finish here, I might even be able to go straight outside and cut my lawn, and I, and I'm gonna love doing that because, you know, I I once read this essay saying, you know, the 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 theme of the essay was there is a moment when you will do something for the last time in your life mm -hmm. of all the things you do, mm -hmm. there is absolutely a moment. The last time you take a, a two mile, three mile hike, the last time you row in a boat, oh God, the last so time, you know, but 
But if, you know, as we always say, and I remember, again, going back to when I was an athlete, I remember certain times, certain games, coaches would say, if this is the last game you were ever going to play, how far would you go? What would you do if this was the last time you would ever do it? And, and we all have to, you know, just if you're in touch with that one or, once or twice a day, and the beauty of just being allowed to identify a plant in a garden, stick your hands in the soil, um, you know, do a little bit of raking, um, make bread. Mongolian oak tree in your kitchen. Exactly. I will say one other thing. Um, in our community, um, I do run food over to um, Maggie Conway House on a regular basis. And we're doing people and, um, to people. And the people to people, Kevin mm. does through. Um, oh, well, thank you for saying that because I did want to mention to everyone that I, you know, I asked what your favorite charity was. And did Feeding America, which I made a contribution to. Good, good. Thank you. Asking everyone if you've enjoyed this interview today. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. But I hope that everyone will make a contribution if you can. Yeah, it's an extraordinary organization. It's feeding. It's feeding people locally. Well, just your your local yeah. food bank. I mean, the yeah. food banks are getting crushed. They're getting I mean, totally crushed. Although it's it's getting better. I know the Coleman made some mm. some things for bringing milk down and getting food down to certain areas. And um, but yeah, it, and you know, it came. Uh, my mother was living with us um, for a while. I can't get this camera. Come this way. I don't know. I'm trying to get on. I have you on too. Um, uh, my mother uh, got ill, and she came and she lived with us for about 18 months. And um, we read an article in the Journal News. I think it was a story. I think it was a story about a child in maybe Pearl River, might be Japan. I'm not sure. Um, he was the quarterback on the football team, mm -hmm. and uh, they were starving. He didn't have dinner. He didn't have food. Several times a yeah. week, he would come home. His mom had to make a decision between keeping the lights on paying the mortgage or buying groceries. So he was figuring out how to get fed through either food at school, if he could get it through friends, yeah. going home to friends' houses. And when I was here, I was like, this, kid, going, this is just not possible, not in this community. This can't be happening in this community. Well, there's a lot of people who have it. that secret shame in their life. So, you know? so the food banks are really important, but also just being aware of your neighbor. Mm -hmm. You just can't let someone on your own block they have a problem. So we have Nextdoor, which is that wonderful app. And, um, you know, we check in. You know, I put the post. Other people put the post. If you need anything, you need toilet paper, you need food, you find meat, whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, you need to ask because that's what we're here for is to help each other. And some people, um, it was really beautiful. There was um, a church in New York City that streams that I was listening to, or maybe it was around Easter or something. And um, the the minister, she said, you may never in your life have ever had to ask for help. And this may be the moment where you do need to ask for help. Yeah. And um, she said, you can come to me privately, confidentially, and we're going to get you help. Why do you think that we put a stigma on people not being able to reach out and ask for help? Yeah, it's America. Well, because thing. it's America. I mean, you're not a success you if you do that. Straps, you know? Yeah, you're not a success if you do that. If you ask for help in America, that shows there's some state or black mark. I mean, it's it's like the scarlet letter of, or you know, something. You know, I mean, it's the same theme. And you have to remember, you know, it's ridiculous. Many people have not recovered from 2008. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, if you own a business. I can't imagine men and women who own businesses who had to be shuttered during this time. You know. 
they're not passing the money out so fast. Even if you qualify for some of those programs, many people just haven't seen any money yet. So I, I wonder day to day, I say to Kevin, if you haven't seen a dime and you had a business and you were already hand to mouth, I mean, it has to be terrifying, yeah. terrifying. So, and they say it'll be a long time for people to come back. They're going to lose those businesses. How many bankruptcies will there be? You know, I try to stay focused on, that's not my experience right now. I can help who I can help. I, I make that part mm -hmm. of my daily life. Um, I do believe that for the artist, we're going to see some extraordinary things that are going to come out of this from the arts community because so many creatives have had quiet and lack of and, and no distraction and almost like this permission given just go lock away and we can't you know if you're really a creative person mm -hmm. you know your mind my you know ticking all the time then things will come out things and come and out. also i think that the the content of what we're going to see i'm i'm hopeful Will, will change in the sense that, um, you know, Jordan and I are drawn to a lot of English film and television because it's, it's, it's really well written and it's character driven, a lot like the movies from the 30s and 40s and, you know, even through the 70s here in the United States. But the big kind of comic book action movies, look, we all need escapism. I get that. That's fine. Um, we go to the theater for escapism too. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I have been wanting, me personally, and I think Jordan too, we've been wanting, you know, to see more American stories that are, are really character driven. You know, one of the reasons that we're recommending bad education is because, you know, there's nobody flying around in that and there's no, you know, monsters and zombies. Hmm. It, but it's a phenomenal story and it's a real revelatory story of, of, what can happen in a community when you know people get turned to personal greed once again um and we just need more stories and i think that this this pandemic is going to create more stories that are about people at all various points socioeconomically and just how they survived mm -hmm. what you had to do how your life may have taken a complete left or right-handed turn and something that you never expected to do, suddenly you're doing it. Um, and I just hope we see more stories like that because those, first of all, they're more truthful. It's, it's closer to the reality of, of the world we're in. But I, I refuse to believe that those stories can't be funny and entertaining and fascinating with little mysteries that you never quite thought of. Because the really, really great <clears throat> classic films and television stories that hold up have those elements in them. We just need more of them because maybe I'm just a cranky older person now, but you know, I, I don't need to see another comic book movie. Not, you know, not unless it's the way like Joker was done, which was to me was genius. It took the comic book movie and turned it on its head and really was a character study of mental illness in an extraordinary level with an extraordinary performance by Phoenix. Um, so, you know, that's okay in my world, but I, I also would like to go back to the world of just, you know, people and, and how they got through what people, other people would look at the outside and say, oh, you know, it's just, that looks like everyday life. I, you know, why would I be interested in that story? Well, no, there's a way to tell that story so that it's all the above, funny, entertaining, and fascinating. This is what I want. <laughs> 
You want a martini and no, no. red velvet cake next to a pool. That's what you want. And you want it in a five-star hotel. No. Okay, and you want the guy in the little waiter tray. Thing. Okay, this is what I want. I want the double feature to come back. Wow. Do you remember the double feature? Yeah. I remember going down. I think Brian, I found this out recently. Brian Cranston's dad owned the movie theater that I used to go to as a kid. Well, you knew his dad. Yeah, I, I guess I knew his dad because he. I was a polar bowler. He owned the bowling alley and the next door he owned the um, polar bowlers because in the summer it was so ice cold, you would call a polar bowler. Well, and, um, and then next door was the movie theater, the Corbin Bowl. And um, and there would be these double features. And I, I remember I used to go and see like Cool Hand Luke and um, Hellfighters with John Wayne, you know. And you'd be there all day watching these these films. And now you, you, you get one and they kick everybody out to bring in the next film and get one. Like that's it. I love it. They brought back the double feature. Yeah, the double feature. That's what I'm like. Well, I think that's going to come back along with the drive-in movie theater. Yeah. Oh, I heard about the driving yes. movie theater, but you know, we turned ours into the dump. Well, I know. <laughs> well, listen, I love you both. This hour for me flew. I love you both so much. Oh, okay. thank you. We love you too. I want to say a few things. First of all, this is brought to you uh through Casting Your Lives and Nightlife Ex uh Exchange. They sponsor me, so thank them for doing that. Thank you. Please, please, please. Make a contribution uh, to feedingamerica.org. Um, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody without yeah. expecting anything in return. So now, because we're all self-isolating, I want you all to go out, go to your Facebook page, go to your uh, friends list, and reach out to the second name that comes up. Great. Just reach out to them and say, hello, how are you? I'm just checking in on you and let me know how it goes. Okay. <laughs> and for everyone else, if you've enjoyed today, please go to my website, which is richardskipper.com. Jordan and Kevin, you can do the same. And put your thoughts about the show because that helps to sell me in other markets. And I also want to mention next week, my guest will be Jana Robbins. Do you know Jenna? Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I love you both. Love you. Love you back, Richard. Thank you so much. Thank you, Martini and that real Veva cake. Go enjoy. <laughs> love you both. Real pleasure. Thank you. Bye.